Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 427 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Joe, joined by Todd. Todd, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I wasn't doing math or nothing before the show. You weren't doing your gazintas? No, no gazintas. No ot into ot is ot. You know how proud it was the day that I was able to finally convince my son that it's okay to count on his fingers? It's okay to count on your fingers? Yeah. Like, he would, he'd be doing his math homework or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or he'd be, like, we'd be messing around, and I would always try to incorporate anything that we do into, like, some sort of learning thing, like, secretly that he doesn't know about. Right. And he would always be trying to figure things out in his head. And I go, it's good to figure things out in your head. I go, but if you need to use your fingers, go for it. I go, I use my fingers to figure out math stuff all the time. That's right. And I said that to him for months, and then the other day he was doing his math homework, and I saw him doing it. And I'm like, oh, that's my boy. There you go. He's seven. I'm 41. We as long go- as he keeps his fingers off my comics at the shop, that's all I care about. Right. His cookie and mud stained. Uh, we had yep. to tell that story at the shop this past week, and I'll tell it here quick, and we'll get into the the rundown of the show and what we're going to be discussing this week. But when Asa was born, he wasn't even two months old, and uh, we had him going around in this little carrier car seat thing. We stopped to go get comics. We were there early. I don't know what the hell we were there early for. I know it was winter time, and Todd had not been there yet, or maybe he had been there or something. No, I wasn't there yet. It was a Wednesday. Right, and one of the things that he was picking up was this giant oversized omnibuy of the Eastman Laird Ninja Turtles. Yep, the Mirage Run. Right, and we put Asa, who was asleep, next to it on the ground in his little car carrier. We took his little hand out, and we put it on the thing. We took a picture of it and sent it to Todd, saying that Asa was touching his comics. <laughs> With his dirt and cookie hands. With his dirt and cookie hands. <laughs> I think he had no motor functions at that point. But still, mm. it was it's a funny joke that we still laugh about to this day. We still use it. That's right. So, let's get into the news. Uh, and what we're going to be discussing on the show this week, of course, uh, we have DC doing not one, but two of my favorite things. <laughs> oh, and uh further uh if this was this this podcast had a visual component you could see the steam come out of my head <laughs> with the way that people announce certain things <laughs> okay conventions this weekend digital sales and freebies uh what we read this past week which is heroes in crisis number 3 and dc nuclear winter special which doesn't have a number it's just special it says uh, one on the cover. Oh, it does say number one? Mm-hmm. Oh, that means it's a collector's item. Mm-hmm. One of one. Uh, what we're looking forward to this week, uh, of course, and TV talk with the penultimate episodes of Doctor Who, uh, the 99th episode of The Flash, and the most recent episode of Legends of Tomorrow. Which I just want to say is uh, I enjoyed the episode. We'll get to that. But they missed a huge golden opportunity that I cannot wait to talk about. All right. Make a note for yourself. Mm-hmm. So let's get into what DC's up to. 
Uh, this was this was one of those stories that, based on me speaking about this sort of thing on the show, that numerous people sent this news story to me, knowing that it was right up my alley. As uh, DC is in the market of collecting various things, uh, such as they're collecting all the appearances, origins, and so forth of the Green Lantern known as Kyle Rayner. They put out a trade, which was his first appearances in a variety of things, you know, the actual Green Lantern book, uh, issues of Rebels, New Titans, Guy Gardner Warrior, etc. Then it was so successful that they decided we're going to do a second volume. And then we're going to do a third... Wait a minute! We're going to solicit a third volume, but we're not actually going to put it out. What? They never do that, Oh, Joe. my goodness. Um, now, they also did cancel um, one of the Batman Elseworld things, which is called Shaman. Mm-hmm. But it looks like it's less that they're going to just put that as part of a giant collection of Legend of the Dark Knight stuff, as opposed right. to its own separate little storyline thing. But either way, even though this Kyle Rayner thing is not something that I'm collecting, it fires me up when they do this, when they start a series of things. Like, I want to know, are the sales that bad from the first one to the second one? Do they not get enough, like, pre-orders or whatever it is? Because, like, when it comes to a book, you know, when previews comes out, it's usually for actual comic books that are going to be out two months from now. But when it comes to trades, those trades could be coming out anywhere from, like, three to five months mm-hmm. from when so the previews comes out. Because it gives you enough time for those things. Like, just as an example, in the previews that came out this past week, it's collect- it's soliciting the trade for the first five issues of the current Wasp series. Mm-hmm. Also solicited in there is the fifth issue of that same Wasp series. Now, granted... The trade is coming out like two months later, but they're getting those solicitations in there now with the fifth issue. Which is a little different, though, because they pretty much trade every mini that comes out. You know what I mean? No, but this isn't a mini. This is the new Wasp ongoing. Right. Well, even better than it's new. That everything new gets traded. But, but you understand what I'm saying is that they do like they do this with all trades where the book is usually for two months from now, the trade is three to five months from now. So right. I want to know, I, I if I was Diane Nelson or whoever's in charge of DC these days, I would go in and I, went, I would want them to pull those numbers all the way back to that first Mark Wade impulse <laughs> trade that they canceled on me, or canceled, not just on me, I'm sure there was other people. And I want to see those pre-order numbers. I want to see why... This and why Rebels Six trade never came out and all this other stuff and this just adds to to my ire, you know. Oh, I I don't know. First of all, I want I hope in my heart of hearts I was the first one to send the the the, the email to you, but I doubt it. You, you were first, probably. I I already had it, right? But you were for like there were like two people that sent it to me. Within an hour of each other, you and someone else. Mm-hmm. And then there were like two more people that sent it to me out through, through the course of the day. Because I just want to say, I'm like, ooh, I see this story. <laughs> Share Super Secret Science Shop. Right? <laughs> because I'm like, I know this is going to burn them up. Yeah. Two, uh, 
I think Diane Nelson Riley cho- like get chooses these like however she wants. Like I don't even know. I'm with you. I, I I don't know how they do it or why they do it, but I think they should follow through on some stuff. The only difference with the Kyle Rayner one is Kyle Rayner was literally like what like 150 issues, so you probably weren't getting all of that traded. Cause like a lot of that's like, I don't care what run they trade when it's that big, it'll peter out. Like you'll, you won't get like, all right, the, the, the Mark Wade run, uh, into the Jeff Johns run. And then there were people that took that book over for years afterwards. You're never going to see any of that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I look at it as the Kyle Rayner run different than a Rebels run, which was only like 36 issues, maybe 24 issues where you're like, Oh, that's, that's doable in in a trade. That's and completing it, but but then they don't with, complete it, right? But right, I with that I get. But with the with the with any ongoing run that has more than a hundred issues in it, I'm like, all right, uh, you stop whenever you want. And they chose to stop after the second trade. So what are you going to do about it? Well, I think you know one of the many reasons that they are doing it because whatever that money allocated for collections and trades is. Mm-hmm. Is so that in the coming year, 2019, DC can have three different versions of Dark Knight Returns on the shelves. Oh, and a sale, hopefully. Well, digital. It's not digital sale this week, but we'll get to digital sales and freebies oh, a little bit later on. I'm jumping the gun. Yes. So we have, of course, uh, a new trade. Uh, you know, floppy trade. With the black label stamp on it of Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Then we've got the hardcover slipcase with the modern classic stamp on it. Oh, the modern, oh, black label, modern classic, two different things. Right. And then we have a new absolute coming out of Dark Knight and Dark Knight Strikes Again. <sighs> uh, all coming out literally within months of each other. And, and I think it has something to do with Tom King announcing today that he has something coming up in his Batman run with, with Frank Miller. Whether he want, he can't announce whether it's the cover or interiors or whatever. He's like teasing it. It's like Frank Miller's back with a vengeance, Joe. Hmm. A vengeance. Uh, just to work backward from that, I like Tom King's work and I think him working with Frank Miller is more of a rub for Frank Miller than it is for Tom King. I know a lot of these guys in comics and everything, you know, you want to work with these legends and, you know, everyone's getting older. There's getting to be less and less legends available to do work or who could physically do work anymore. And Frank Miller's still out there kicking around, but um, in my, in this podcaster's humble opinion, I think um, Tom King don't need the rub from Frank Miller these days. Right, but I honestly believe Tom King is pumped to work with Frank Miller. Oh, absolutely. Right. Um, I'm sure there's people in the world of sports and or entertainment. Uh, if I'd gotten the opportunity to work with them today, that's one of those deals um, where I always say, uh, you know, you work with someone like that. And obviously it's a little bit different with comic books because they, these things have a published date on them. <laughs> but you can say, yeah, I did a book with Frank Miller. When? Uh, no, I, I did a book with him. Was it in the 80s or was it last week? No, we did a book together. You don't have to tell people when you, uh, you know, maybe went on a date with Farrah Fawcett. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? They might be able to do the, the numbers when they see your age versus her age, but you don't come right out and say, and especially I think she's passed, so. I was just going to say I had a date with her last week. Well, I'm calling the authorities, Todd. Mm-hmm. But you get what I'm saying. Um, you know, right. a lot of these guys are like, oh, man, I got to work with Frank Miller, and that's awesome. But, you know, it's more so it's like you want to check that thing off on your bucket list. Right. More so. I don't know. Like, I think he still puts some sales in there, big guy, as long as he's not writing. Okay. Um, I give you that. Uh, and I'm sure he does sales because he's a name. Like I said, we're getting to have a few less and less working legends these days, brother. Mm-hmm. But um, how different is a Tom King paycheck from a book, a royalty check, versus a Tom King book that maybe has like six interior pages by Frank Miller? Royalty check, you know? It's going to get the bump. It's going to get the Miller bump. Hmm. It's Miller time, baby. Uh, also, I need you to go into the shop and mention this story and go, I hope it's a Catwoman story. That's all I need you to do. I was say, don't people from the shop listen to this show? Uh, some do. The one that it'll rib doesn't, so I'm not okay. worried about it. All right. I know I know what I could do. But, yeah, just, you know, it's like, hey, guys, more dark. And I get it. Dark Knight Returns. But <laughs> haven't – I'm not buying another copy of Dark Knight Returns. I'm not either, and I'm going to say this with all with all respect to Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, a lot of his best stuff, his like I will we won't get into like whatever that Batman. Remember that Batman knockoff book that he did somewhere else? Holy, not like, Holy Terror, but it was something else. I think it was actually Holy Terror. Oh, okay, which was a Batman story. I was like, all right, they're not going to do it, so he had to redraw it a little bit. Like we're not talking about any of that stuff. We're not talking about. Like the later Sin City, but the all, the amazing stuff that Frank Miller has done, the, and that gets the accolades. I think that's the weakest of all his stuff. Like it doesn't hold up as well as some of the like the early Sin City stories, his Dark Knight, uh, Year One. Um, I always say, and I, and I will take the I'll take the hit for this. His his futuristic punks were cliche in 1980s. They do like. They do not hold up in 2018. Well, again, if we're splitting hairs here and we're talking about his Batman stuff, I think Batman Year One is a 10 plus on a scale of 1 to 10, where I think Dark Knight Returns is a 9 minus. See, I think it's I think it's less than that. Okay. In my opinion. Right. Um, and then I know you haven't read his Daredevil stuff. I know he's kind of retroactively with time travel gone back and done Daredevil stories prior to Mark Wade creating the character. (laughs) But I think there's like Daredevil stories in there that are better than Dark Knight Returns by leaps and bounds. Yes. And this is me saying that who has gone back and read Frank Miller Daredevil stories Mm -hmm. and didn't think they were the end all be all because I read them in 2009. Yeah whatever year it was that I read them where you're like, wow, this is groundbreaking, blah, 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 where it's like, everybody's done this a thousand times over. So, you know, it's still good, but it's not, it doesn't have the impact. We were like, Oh, when you were reading it before everybody else decided to do what he was doing. So I don't know. I I don't, I don't put Frank Miller on the the pedestal that a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. 
his name still carries some cachet. It's just I think maybe he could be given the rub to some folks that maybe need the rub a little bit more than Tom King. Yeah, but then uh, I don't know. The, the, I think the respect street has to work both ways in that way. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't put like, hey, Frank Miller's going to be doing a Batman story with Joe Schmo. It's like it has to be Tom King. It has to be Brian Azzarello. It has to be Jeff Johns. It had like you're not going to see you're not going to see Frank Miller with somebody who's a nobody to but give him the rub. I think that's how they should be using. Frank Miller is we have this guy who's this hot young up and coming guy he did a bunch of indie books he's got a very Frank Miller feel to him let's see if we can get him and Frank Miller on something together so that more people could see this guy like use Frank Miller to bolster an investment on another creator that you're making say it the way you want to say it give them the rub put them right. over well, there you go you what you need Frank Miller to get the new guy over yeah and that's okay. that's how and Frank Miller should understand that. And I'm sure Frank Miller's like, Oh, I've heard of this Tom King. I'd love to work with him and just like move it on with his life. But I think Frank Miller I don't think Frank Miller gets the same charge out of working with Tom King that Tom King gets working with Frank Miller. I would say I can't speak I'll for say, either one of these people. I'm just uh, speculating. That's what the news segment here of the show is for. Right. I'm with you. But we for, we don't know that for one hundred percent. It could Frank Miller could get a charge out of it. He loves his stories or whatever. But um, I, I don't know. I just look at it as when you have names like that, you don't. I think it's actually disrespectful to put them with somebody who's not hot. If that makes any sense mm-hmm. to 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 people in the business, it seems disrespectful. Right. Well. It was hopefully to be a little bit more uh, of an even segue. But speaking of Daredevil, oh, last boy. bit of news. Sorry, <laughs> is the 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 horrible and painful and shocking. That's the other thing about it. This was shocking that I saw this. That Netflix has canceled Daredevil. It was such a terrible show that no one watched. Netflix has decided to cancel it. Just mm-hmm. just right, pull the rug right on right out from underneath it. No one knew this was coming. They didn't get a chance to... Oh, no, wait, they did. Uh, let me read this uh, press release that Netflix put out here. It says, uh, Daredevil will not return for a fourth season on the old Netflix. Uh, we are tremendously proud of the show's last and final season. Although it's painful for the fans, we sh- feel it's best to close the chapter on a high note. We're thankful to the showrunner, the writers, the crew, the cast, blah, blah, blah. And we're grateful to the fans who have supported the show over the years. While the series... Uh, on Netflix has ended, the three existing seasons will remain on the service for years to come, while the Daredevil character will live on in future Marvel projects. Mm. Sounds, Sounds like good. Daredevil's probably done. They're never, we're never gonna see the character again, and, uh, you know, oh no, they said that they're gonna do other stuff with them probably at Marvel, and, uh, we'll never get to see the show. Oh no, the three existing seasons are, cause, when they canceled Luke Cage, they scrubbed Luke Cage completely from... No, they're still on here. And Iron Fist. They said when they canceled Iron Fist... Oh, no, Iron Fist is still on here, too. So is it just that, like... <laughs> they're, not, they're like, not doing stuff on Netflix anymore? And Marvel and Disney are going to have their own streaming service very soon? And all this stuff's just going to go over there? And when these press releases come out and say that they're canceled, they're not really canceled, it just... They're not going to be on Netflix anymore? But they still are, because... You still watch those same three seasons? It's just 
there's new you... Netflix, or there's new Daredevil, or there's new Luke Cage, and there's new <sighs> Iron Fist that's just going to be somewhere else? I disagree with you on this so much. Okay, go you ahead. Get your, you get yourself worked up so much over the word canceled. I get Netflix. myself worked well, No, no, no. I don't get myself worked up over the word canceled. When I see everybody else getting themselves so worked up over the word cancel, I get worked up over other people getting worked up. Okay, so, and and I agree with you. People getting worked up over it is, but what I think people are saying is, and and you're looking at it in in a weird Joe Sposto way, as I say. I know, it's so weird that Joe Sposto would look at things in a Joe Sposto way. Sposto way. I should look at them more in a Leonard F. Chikarsen way, or even worse, a Todd Roker way, but go ahead. You should well. You're always looking at it in a words way, but we'll get that's another story. Uh, but no, you should look at it in the Todd's way. Todd's way is usually a great way, but it's the fact that people are like, well, why? Okay, you you canceled Iron Fist. All right, ratings, whatever. You canceled, canceled the Wink. What? I said canceled, canceled wink. wink. I winked into the microphone. Right. Um. What it is is there. Daredevil season three was amazing. People loved it. Um. I, you know it. it I believe it got ratings. I don't know. I don't have the numbers in front of me because everybody was talking about it. What people are saying is it's uh, Netflix isn't making anymore. It's canceled. I'm not winking. It's okay. we're probably not going to get any more. Well, we don't know for sure, but people are thinking the way this sounds, we're not getting any more new Charlie Cox daredevil written by the people that are doing because the last season was amazing and we want more. Now, granted, could it move over to the Disney streaming? Uh, and you could, you, you, we'll get a different version maybe or get the Charlie Cox. Nobody knows. And that's what people are like. All, all people want is more of what they love. And I have no problem with people complaining about that. They're like, okay, you're canceling a show. We love. Why? Why? Give us, give us the reason. And as for it being gone forever, that's the same way as saying that shows get canceled on TV and there's DVDs. I could watch them till the end of time. Right. No, I want new Daredevil with Charlie Cox and the cast and, and, and all of it. So I get why people get mad or not mad, but get upset about this stuff. Now, whether they come right out and say it or not, do we, the royal we, all of us that are involved in all this comic book nonsense, don't we all know that Disney is going to have their own streaming service? Whether it's officially yes. announced or not, don't we all know this? Yes. Okay. Don't we all think that eventually all of the Marvel stuff that Disney now owns is eventually going to be on that streaming service in some way, shape, or form? Yes. And then shouldn't that lead lend some credence to that there's a better than average chance that all of these characters that they've established over the last three, four, five years on another platform are, if they decide to do them on the other ones, which this press release certainly sounds like they might be, that, that they'll try to recapture that same magic on whatever that platform that doesn't exist is going to be, will be? So are you saying you think we're getting those shows by the showrunners and with the actors again? I would assume that Disney, who has a couple bucks, sees the success of these characters, sees mm-hmm. the people's reactions to this, unfounded at best, um, and is going to make the decision to do their best, commitments notwithstanding, to get that same, as much of that same crew from the actors to the writers to the showrunners to the, the, the guys who did the gaffing 
to recreate these shows on their own platform instead of letting someone else, Netflix, make the money off what they now own. Now, is there a chance that they won't be able to do that? Yes, but there's just as much as a chance that Marvel wouldn't be able to do a season of Daredevil with Charlie Cox, and again, only because that's the example that you gave, because I don't know what Charlie Cox's agent has lined up for him. Charlie Cox might have three movies lined up over the next six years, and even if Netflix did keep the rights to all these Marvel movies, then he wouldn't be able to do a Daredevil show for another six years, because he has all these other commitments to movies, right? Exactly, and if the and, Netflix had not canceled the show, and we and whatever it moved over, they could do more of them. That's, see, I think you're looking at this wrong way. It just comes out People want more of what they like. They right. they don't want the chance of maybe getting or not getting. But, and even if they do, Disney has a history of going, replace everything. We have a, a huge history of not that. Not lately. Not within the last 20 years they haven't. We'll see after all right. this Avengers stuff is over. Okay, we'll see after all this Avengers stuff is over. I'm with you on that one. And if the Disney streaming service comes out and we get the all-new, all-different Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Daredevil, etc. I'll come on here on this very podcast and I'll eat my John Cena hat. But mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that I'm still going to be wearing this John Cena hat for a long, long time. I just feel, and I get you, what you're saying is that people want more of the thing that they like. But even if the show, quote unquote, wasn't canceled by Netflix, who knows when the next season would have come, you know? If next at all. year. Next year. Do we know that for sure if they cancel it? I think it would have been. It was popular. It was making money. I, I understand the, like I said, Iron Fist or Luke Cage. I know they didn't have, according to everybody, didn't have the, the, the oomph that the Daredevil one did. And the other thing is these shows are so dark, I don't see them trying to recreate, recreate this feel on their streaming site. I really don't. I don't see Disney going, let's let's have you know matt murdoch have like a a sigh sticking in his side bleeding from every you know place that he can in this episode and looking like you know hamburger i just don't see these the feel of these shows the hard drinking cursing jessica jones mm -hmm. going over to the disney streaming i just i in my in the life of me i don't see any of that happening now i'll bring this up we on this very sh this very program watched a TV show based on a Marvel Comics property that is currently on a Disney-owned station that had uh, multiple attempted rapes, tons of swearing, tons of drinking, tons of violence, tons of drug use. And that was Cloak and Dagger. Now, true, true. Okay, so using that as an example, now I haven't seen Runaways, which is over on Hulu, which is not Disney owned yet, but Freeform is Disney. It was the old Disney Channel or whatever it was, and that was the Family Channel, Family Channel, right? Cloak and Dagger hangout. Right. So that show was on late at night. It had a lot of swearing and it had a lot of violence and a lot of mature themes. Not exactly the same ones that were in the Netflix shows, but very similar to what was in those Netflix shows. So for you to say, Disney would shy away from these things, there's one thing that Disney's not going to shy away from, Todd. Is it money? Money. Now, it was a while ago, maybe about 20-some-odd years ago, but when Disney wanted to put things out that didn't fit the Disney umbrella, they would kind of 
put up these shell corporations like maybe we'll put some movies out as touchstone pictures which are money it's a disney company we don't advertise it as a disney company but we might put a little bit more of like a pg-13 fare out there or we'll buy this independent company called miramax and we'll put out stuff under like a little bit more hard edge like a pulp fiction or something that's still disney putting that movie out but they're now like two shell companies deep now granted in the early 90s early to mid 90s that information wasn't it was out there but it wasn't as readily available as it is today you sneeze and they know what brand of kleenex you're blowing your nose into right but also what does disney like and doesn't shy away from again joe money Right. How many Daredevil action figures are they selling with that Netflix TV show? Well, how many, Cloak and Dagger, how, many, how many Cloak and Dagger action figures are they selling? They are going to, in my opinion, I'm just going to say, when all that stuff comes over, everything is going to become, because the Netflix and the TV stuff at ABC and all those other shows were were held by somebody else. Like, there was the two regimes, and I feel when it gets folded back in, as much as I love uh, the Marvel stuff, it has a cookie-cutter quality to it, and I do believe they're going to feel that they're going to be like, alright, we get prestige with the Netflix stuff, but we get toys and money with the cinematic stuff style. So, change that to this to make even more money. And I'll, and, Okay, now I'll flip you on this. What would make more money in the long run is doing, keeping the course, maybe putting all that stuff on Freeform or whatever that separate thing is going to be, or maybe toning the darkness down a, a, a tad or two and folding all of the Netflix properties into the uh, the ongoing cinematic universe. Now you've got everything connected, you've got everything together, now everything's making that money. Right. Like I said, we are all playing crystal ball here. Right. So we don't know. But like I said, it, it, and it comes down to, and I know me and you, we go round and round on stuff. And in the end, we're just like, why are we even going round and round anymore? It just comes down to, I like this. I want more of this. The, the way it is, they are not doing any more of this right now. That's all. That's, I think, the easiest way to explain it. I'm just saying, don't get so upset. You got a lot of other stuff to watch until Disney makes their announcement and they roll all this stuff out on their uh, streaming channel as though it never was stopped. That's right. Watch Doctor Who. That's what I say. Well, let's not go crazy. (laughs) But one thing that you could do to go crazy is this weekend there's some conventions happening. Not as many, whether it be uh, winter weather or it's getting close to the holiday season and people don't want to travel. But there are two big conventions going on. One is the Jekyll Comic Con, which is in Jekyll Island, Georgia. James O'Barr is going to be there, and Rob Gilroy of Chew fame. And I think he has a new book over at Image called Farmland. You should check that out. Uh, also, the Steel City Comic Con. While they call it a Comic Con, not so many comic book folks there. Lots of media-type folks uh, from the world of sports and entertainment. Uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is going to be there. Will his dragon be there? No, I don't think, uh, he's like, he doesn't have that dragon anymore. I think that dragon got misplaced in an airport somewhere. Mm. And I don't remember, you're going to have to, uh, fill in the listeners of what your cute nickname for this person was. <laughs> uh, but Kevin Nash was, is going to be there as well. What was the cute name you had for him in your, uh, 
listener mail contributions this week on uh, you mean at odds with wrestling. The A Todd's with Wrestling Show. Um, was it Large Father Chili Kerosene? I don't know. I can't keep track with your getting things just slightly wrong, but doing a lot of work to get there. All uh, I know is I know for a fact it popped you. That's all right. I'm going to say. Uh, Tom Savini, Pittsburgh native, is going to be there. Uh, Mickey Dolans is going to be there. I know you're a big fan. The best monkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaleel White is going to be there, making yet another convention appearance. Uh, I'm only saying this aloud so I don't do it, uh, that in the coming year that I should keep track of these weirdos that are popping up at conventions. And I don't mean like Jaleel White's a weirdo, I'm sure he's a delightful man, <laughs> but where it's like, here's your usual 90% of people, and then all of a sudden, you know, out of nowhere, uh, Reginald Vell Johnson is making a convention appearance, right? Who's that? He's the dad from uh, Family Matters. Also, right. the cop from the first two, at least. Uh, one of the cops from uh, Die Hard. With the Di- which I say they're the same character. Right. That's from in the two shows. Right, because Die Hard and Family Matters are part of the same cinematic universe. As far as I'm also concerned. canceled by Netflix. Where's the outrage there? Uh, just wink into the microphone when you say this, the canceled word. Right. Uh, but yeah, just keeping track of like, oh, that's weird that this person now all of, all of a sudden is making appearances. Like this guy who would be on the spreadsheet, of course, David Faustino making an appearance. Good for him. When's that married with children reunion? I don't know. Like remember, uh, earlier in the year when Corin Nemec, uh, of Parker Lewis Can't Lose fame was all of a sudden like back on the convention circuit. I think we'd mentioned like three out of five weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he went back into hiding like, I want more information on that. Like, why did he come out? Like, why did he come out and do these conventions? Who was the agent who convinced him to do it? Why these conventions? Are they close to his house? Were they within <laughs> walking distance? He might have been the janitor at those venues. Right. You know, like, I want that information, you know? Right. He's like, like yeah, well, all of a sudden, this person who hasn't done an appearance in 20 years, now all of a sudden, is the linchpin guest of honor at, like, some comic book convention, you know? Right. Put your put your mop down, sit at a table, and write your name on the on the inside of an empty uh, beer box. Right. So that's all. That's that's a mental project for me to do in the uh, coming year, 2019. Mental, both that I have to remember to do it, and both uh, to satiate my mental instabilities. With mm-hmm. the links to these, of course, will be over in the show notes. Uh, as is the link to the soon to be named network at soon to be named network dot com, soon to be named network dot dot com. Uh, all of our friends, acquaintances, people who come and ask us to be part of the network. Um, there is a vetting process, kind of, sort of. You know, you have to put the show out, remind me that you do the show, and remind me when you show up on other shows. And I'll put it up on the website, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, of course, Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, Wrestling on the Edge of Tomorrow, which is the spin-out of Podvocacy, which still exists. Jason and David are talking about professional wrestling and Star Trek mashed up together. Uh, we also have Puzzle Warriors 3. We have Profane Arguments. And I made an appearance on one of my favorite podcasts uh, this past week because nothing I like doing more than talking about current professional wrestling is talking at length about professional wrestling that is over 15 years old. And Todd, I will have you know that this was an event that featured your friend Bill from Chicago, and I restrained myself from being really negative about him. What? Yeah. The Talking Dead commentator? That's right. He used to be a professional wrestler. Did you know that? 
I did not. He was probably one of the best. Uh, some would say he was the best in the world. I wouldn't be one of those people. Uh, I, I heard he was the best at giving uh, the four figures. The four figures? It's a move where you wrap your legs up. <laughs> oh, the figure four. That was just that oh. one time to uh, Terry <laughs> Funk. But uh, you, for more of this hot wrestling talk, uh, you can tune into At Odds with Wrestling this week where uh, Adam and I will be discussing one of the more hotly talked about American independent wrestling matches of the last few months, as well as the first two episodes of the Edge and Christian show that's on the World Wrestling Entertainment Network, which I think you would enjoy, Todd. I would enjoy it. Yes, you would, Todd. Is there kazoos? Uh, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of very poor humor. Oh. But I mean that in the most, like, in the most endearing way, and I don't want to give too much away about what we're going to be discussing on uh, At Odds this week. I just have to ask, is it Legends of Tomorrow-esque humor? Uh, this week's episode did have some Legends of Tomorrow <laughs> wig work involved. Oh, it made Legends I mean, of Tomorrow's wig work seem like Titanic Oscar-worthy wig work. Uh, and it may be done on purpose, I'm not sure. Tune in to At Odds with the Wrestling for more on that. Uh, digital sales and freebies, of course, is a ton uh, going on with the sales, of course, because we're getting into holiday season. People are looking to buy gifts for people, and people buy digital gifts. Marvel's got a bunch of sales going on. They've got sales going on on what they classify as fan-favorite events, and we've uh, kind of ragged on Marvel a little bit too much for my liking even today. Uh, Cable and Fantastic Four stuff. Uh, Dynamite and Vertigo are having sales on trades. The Vertigo sale's going a little bit longer into the month. Uh... Image is having a sale on Jamie McKelvey's Wicked and Divine. Dark Horse is having a sale on Hellboy stuff. And for some reason, unbeknownst to me, until the end of the year, which isn't that long, but still, DC is also having a sale on all Aquaman-related stuff. And, hmm. uh, you know, it's like they're getting ready for some sort of big Aquaman push in the coming weeks. Oh, it's like a tidal wave of Aquaman stuff. Oh, boy. And, hey, being an Amazon Prime member... Uh, you know, and we'll get into Amazon a little bit later on. They're doing a gimmick where you can go see a free, well, free. You have access to a private screening of Aquaman if it's being held in your area the Monday before it comes out. Ooh, we mm -hmm. should do that. I'm thinking about it. I don't know, but my family actually wants to see Aquaman as well, so. <sighs> Hope this movie isn't all wet. Nope, that's terrible. <laughs> what? It's amazing. So all the links to those will be in the show notes as well. Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. I'll uh, let you start with your uh, DC holiday special. Yes, this one is the Nuclear Winter special, which is basically it starts out with Rip Hunter in a uh, apocalyptic future, and he's forgotten to charge the time bubble, Joe. So he's trying to uh, uh, charge it, but when he gets attacked by cannibals who are hungry, um, who have this, like, uh, very, like, uh, technology-based stuff. There's, like, they're outside the Google building instead of Google. And instead of, like, Apple, there's, like, other, you know, analogies. It's like you buzz. There's a lot of stuff going on in here. And uh, he's trying to tell them stories um, until he can charge it up to keep them from eating them. And each one is about the holidays because that's what time it is 
in the future. They don't know because they've lost all their calendars, but he's trying to tell them stories of like the holiday season. So there's like a Damien after he's made a deal with the devil in the, in the, in the future. There's even as which shocked me a Superman 1 million story, which I was like, Oh, the, the, the trademark for that must've been up. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, wait a minute. I, what? I, I don't mean to interrupt you. Wasn't, I would assume that Superman 1 million would have been more recent than, as you're saying, the trademark would have been off. I don't mean to interrupt you, but in the Grant Morrison multiverse thing, which had to have been within the last five years, I'm almost certain that he was in that. Okay, so, well, this also has the uh, the 1 million version of Martian Manhunter, which is being, this story was written by, a, or what's his name? Orlando. I can't think of his first time. I'm looking at the the uh, title right now um steve orlando he has that uh, martian manhunter ongoing coming out this week so i'm wondering if this is a story that maybe it will tie in somehow um okay. but uh there's an aquaman story and and i liked a lot of those stories there's not too many that really stood out at me there was like a commandy story i'm not a commandy guy but the big one that i really liked was there was a uh, Tom Taylor, who I think is an underrated writer, and because he was doing a lot of the out of continuity stuff with like all that injustice stuff that tied into the video game. Yeah, he does uh, a lot, he does a lot of stuff at Marvel too, actually. Right, but that was his big claim to fame, which was bigger than 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 we thought. Because I know some people who worked on that and sure. told me some of the numbers that they were getting and uh, the residuals that they were getting off of that stuff because just how well it sold because of the video game. I wouldn't give it up either. But there's a Supergirl uh, story where she finds this little girl and she's got to get – she's like there's rumors of you know a settlement on the highest peak in the area and she has to take them. And I was – as it, it was only like a, a six or an eight-page story. By the time it was over, I was like this is one of the best like little stories I've read in a long time. And it comes down to the reason I like the, these things is because – you can find out how great of a writer someone is with a short story because you do not have a lot of wiggle room to play and do some great stuff, and they did. Otherwise, I thought it was, you know, uh, for nine ninety nine or uh, a lot of people out there going to like it the way I do. I, I doubt it, um, but for me, it it got it gave me what I wanted. The only thing I was really upset about was that there was no uh, post apocalyptic Jonah Hex story. I was like. That he has that futuristic you know, apocalyptic story that that series they did, and I was like Jimmy Palmiotti, you never did one of those <laughs> stories with them. You could have did at least a Christmas uh, story with it, but otherwise, uh, that I thought that was a wasted opportunity. But it was good. I do give DC credit there for trying something a little bit uh, different, a little bit more out of the box with these uh, holiday specials, you know. Right, instead of just the, the same old, same old. Right, it's Christmas time in DC Universe. Let's do some things, you know? Right, Superman answers mail from the Daily Planet, which happens used to happen every year in, in continuity. <laughs> and as good as, you know, as you're saying here, uh, taking some, you know, eight pages, six pages, whatever it is, I definitely think the end-all, be-all of DC holiday stories is the dark side one. And you know the, you know the one I'm talking about. That doesn't Sure, because I got boned out of pages from that. Um, right. Uh, but that is my all-time – that is one of my all-time favorite holiday stories of all time. Yep, that could be the best – like I said, arguably the best holiday story of all time in comics. Mm-hmm. And if you're not familiar with it is, the really long and short of it is, is uh, Santa delivering presents on Apocalypse. 
Yes, basically it starts, that's only two pages, and it's Darkseid, like, sitting in his, and his minions are like, he's back, you know, he's through the first layer of defenses, he's through the second, Darkseid's like, if he gets through, I'll, I'll have all your heads, and then finally, like, he's right outside the door, and the door opens, and like this, like, scorched, like, Santa Claus comes walking in, looks at his list in front of Darkseid, goes, uh, naughty, definitely naughty, hands him a piece of, piece of coal and says, I'll see him next year, and he's like, get it, and Darkseid's like, get him! brilliant there's no like there's no better uh christmas story right and you talk about economy of storytelling two pages that tells an entire story and it's burned into our brains for the history of time you know what i mean and dc whatever their animated platform their digital streaming whatever it is they could turn that into a 22 minute short like a 22 Uh. minute like episode of a show i do you mean that just one story yep I disagree. I think that would be a, I think they could do a holiday themed half hour or hour episode. And that would be like, uh, uh, what's the, uh, what's the one where they do with the dolls on Cartoon Network? Uh, Adult Swim. Adult Swim. Uh, uh yes, there's a, for the, but isn't there a, is uh, that what no, it's called? uh, uh, car, uh, Robot Chicken. Robot Chicken. They do like a Robot Chicken holiday, uh, cartoon episode where that would be one of the bumpers. Mm -hmm. That's, I really don't think you could stretch that out to 22 minutes. Now doing the lowball paramilitary Christmas special, that's a 22 minute episode. Now see, I think that's a full length DVD, blah, blah, blah. Like you can go 90 minutes with that one. I agree. Give, listen, put on a pot of coffee. I could put, I could stretch both those out to, uh, you put the, the, the Santa Claus dark side thing is 22 minutes with commercials. You put that on what, what network does Warner own these? Uh, CW. CW. Or put the that, streaming network. Put that on whatever it is. You put it on once a year as your Christmas special. You got something. Hey, you might got a pepper and a new god or two here or there. Uh, you know, something like that. The Lobo thing, of course, you put that out as a DVD. Even I though they even have the writer credit, you could put me on there as Alan Smithy. Though, even though you, we someday need to watch the fan film they made of the Lobo Paramilitary Christmas Special, do you know who played Lobo in that show? We've discussed this on uh, one of the After Dark. It was the guy who plays uh, Butterfinger from Hudson Hawk. <laughs> yes, yes, that might be your movie for the year, at the end of the year. I don't know. I'll give you a hint. My the movie that I'm picking is available in its entirety without some sort of like weird filter or something on it in full on YouTube. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, there's a hint. Okay. Uh, so the other book I think we both read uh, this one, which was Heroes in Crisis number three, uh, written <laughs> by Tom King. We talked about a bit at the beginning of the show uh, with art by uh, Clayman and Lee Weeks, primarily by Lee Weeks. Now, if I remember correctly. This was one of those ones that got folded in. It was supposed to be one of the two one shots mm-hmm. that got folded in to the main uh, miniseries. Right. Because if it's I remember, main. it was supposed to be Clayman doing the full art of the miniseries, and there was going to be one that had the art by Lee Weeks, or the two that had the art by Lee Weeks. So that's what's making me think this. Mm-hmm. Um. So this one does have a little less of your big three, your Batman, your Superman, your Wonder Woman. They're talked about. And this one is a little bit more of how the sanctuary itself actually works. Right. So it is therapy for a variety of reasons for different superheroes of mostly on the low end of the spectrum. Um, Booster Gold ends up there. 
for whatever reason, it's still a little unclear as to why Booster is there, but what the Sanctuary AI does is it kind of lets you relive things or brings another version of yourself out. And then it appears as though those versions that the AI is creating may or may not have their own sentience. Mm -hmm. And that's where this kind of goes, a little bit adding to the mystery. Right. So... I only bring this up, obviously, because this is kind of running in conjunction to the other big DC event book that's going on, which is Doomsday Clock, which comes out this week as well. So we're three three issues into this, and this isn't really lighting my world on fire. I like it, it's fine, but... You know, I don't know if I'm loving these DC event books that are currently being published. This one's dry. Yeah, a little bit. And the thing, but it see, I, I, the thing that's keeping me around is like the fact that where they go is the farmhouse, and whether or not the people who are there are Ma Pa Mon Pa Kent and Lana, or they're what are they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's who, who, who you know, meets them. Then you know, there's enough to keep me here because we kind of maybe see how Flash gets done in. And I don't think he's dead. I really don't. It, yet. I think he may be dead in the story. But now we're in the flashback. Do you know what I'm trying to say? That he gets knocked out. But I don't think he's dead yet, if that makes any sense. Yes. And, and then I'm wondering if... The there's where of all the things Booster Gold can do, he can go to Tahiti, he can do this, he can do that. He ends up making uh, basically the, it, this sanctuary is like a giant holodeck in Star Trek. You can create, recreate anything, do everything, and and you can interact with it. And he ends up creating another version of himself to talk to. And I think the murderer is the duplicate Booster Gold. Right. Or, it, it, it seems that that's what they're attempting to get us to think. But then maybe it's not. I don't know. I, I'm with you. It's dry, but I'm in to find out what happened. If that makes any sense, I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I get what you're saying. It's not moving along fast, and there's not like a lot of. I think maybe because this was the tie-in issue, it's not as important. Right. If that makes any sense, like this would. This isn't the all like. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. I'm I'm all over the place. <laughs> no, no, no. I I think you and I are on the same page where this one definitely feels like more of filler. Not well. Okay, so not so much as filler, but if this was released as the one of two one shots that tie into the main series, that stuff that happens in this would have paid off in like the second to last issue of the miniseries, or given us crucial information that pay that we don't get quite now, but pays off later. Right. Or I'm wondering if some of this is actually, uh, what do I want to say, the special mixed in with Heroes in Crisis, if that makes any sense. Yes. Like instead of like, you know, instead of taking issue one, two and then taking the one shot and making it three, they're mix and matching the one shot and dabbling it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So I, I'm with you. I'm not quite 100% sure what they're doing, but I think we'll probably get back on track when we get to the all, you know, Clayman, uh, uh, Tom King stuff. Right. 
I was intrigued by the mystery of the first two issues. This didn't answer any questions for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'm still sticking with it because I, I, I have faith in Tom King. What, you, you think he's a good writer? I think he's a pretty good writer. Okay. He's done a good, enough writing so far that I can have faith in him and not give up on him after one issue that was like a seven. Mm. To me, he's the anti-Grant Morrison. Oh, where where I'll like nine out of ten things by Tom King, where it's the other way around with Grant Morrison. We're not doing the next issue of Green Lantern on here. I don't know. It comes out today. I might I might have to leap through it. Hmm. You have to let me know before we record next week, then I guess. Mm. So speaking of next week, uh, if you head over to LongboxHeroes.com every Tuesday around five thirty Eastern time or so, sometimes a little bit later, depending on server speeds. We put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned and be forearmed. Know what's coming out this week. So uh you know if you need to pick up a short box or a long box to bring everything home with you. The two things that Todd and I are doing here, 2018, one, what we always do is attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is still behind by four. I think his best chance is he could tie things up by the end of the year with guessing what the other is most looking forward to coming out. Dollars spent, there's no way uh, I can catch up to Todd unless I decide to buy the store where we get our comic <laughs> books in the next four weeks. That's not happening. I still got Christmas shopping to do. Uh, so let me look at your list. There's a, a lot of variety on your list this week, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, could really be anything that's on here. Now, I have to ask, what is the Merry Xmas Holiday Special? Um, that was actually a typo, because, uh, it's Merry X-Men Holiday Special, but because I wrote Merry, it's changed it to Xmas. As long as it didn't change it to Doctor Who. Right, so that's what that is, and I'm not even sure what that is, because I didn't see that in the, in the, uh, previews i just basically was walking through the store and saw that so i picked it up mm-hmm. threw it in my my bag mary x man holiday special huh mm-hmm. okay so i'll take a shot in the dark and say the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week then is shazam number one it is not okay is actually I, i'm i'm super pumped about Doomsday Clock. I want to see because I'm I'm so I, that's the other one. The Heroes in Crisis is 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 like we're saying. I want to see if they can start sticking the landing on this, and I have to reread one through seven. But I'm interested in some things that I'm hearing and the whole Putin news story. I want to see what's going on with that. Mm-hmm. You know about that, right? I'm well but aware. actually, I was shocked that you didn't pick the Merry X Men Holiday Special. Well, uh, that's where I was leaning towards until you said, "I have no idea what it is." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, you can't be looking forward to something that you don't even know what the hell it is." Mm-hmm. So, is the book? Is it my turn? It's your turn, Todd. Is the book you're looking to forward to most? Defenders Immortal Hulk number one. No. It's just regular Immortal Hulk number 10. See, I thought because it was Al Ewing writing the Defenders Immortal Hulk book that you might want to see how that all ties in. You know what I mean? Uh, again, it was one or the other, but I think I'm going if, – if it wasn't the same two Immortal Hulk books coming out of the same week, this would have – you know, what I mean, the Defenders one would have won. 
Right, I but got I got to stick with the main series, man. The main series is killer. I'm with you. So while you're over at Long, can't Lost, win now, Joe. No, you can't win. Can't Best even tie. No, you can't even tie unless like somehow we start putting negative uh, numbers in there. <laughs> right. This will be my first year that I've won since we've been doing this. I think. Yes, I threw it. But yeah. anyway, now, keep telling yourself that. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, uh, whether it be past poll posts, past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, uh, the 2017 Smash Sensation, Todd and Joe Have Issues, all of it exists over there, longboxheroes.com, just like our little store, which you can purchase stickers or pins or shirts, it is the holiday season, I know the post offices are closed today, but this still gives me plenty of time to get you in some fancy Longbox Heroes swag to wear when you see your family for Christmas or whatever holiday you're celebrating this year, or no holidays. If you're sitting home alone, you could use the shirt. I'm, I understand the shirts fashion themselves as a very fancy burger towel. So I understand it. Why are the, uh, post offices closed? Uh, the passing of George H.W. Bush. Ah, gotcha. Okay, uh, I forgot. Closed the post offices as, uh, all of the packages that I had that were supposed to be delivered. Uh, on Wednesday, I got the notifications on Tuesday saying, because the post office is closed tomorrow, you ain't getting your stuff till Thursday, pal. Mm-hmm. Patterson, get in here. Uh, but if you don't need any of that stuff from us, you can get anything else that you want from anywhere else in the world from our Amazon click-through at the top of the page. Doesn't cost you anything extra. Gives us a little bit of a kickback. Uh, we had a good week last week, and we have a good week this week. Again, of course, always like to thank our listeners for purchasing any of their stuff through our Amazon click-through. Some of the notable purchases this past week is someone purchased the Thor Epic Collections of Walt Simonson, War of the Pantheons, Wrath of Odin, Immortal Flesh, and The Fall of Asgard. I think that's all the ones that currently exist. Hmm. Uh, you got Whether you're getting that for yourself or someone else, that is a very good uh, run of comic books there. Uh, somebody also purchased a movie monster series Godzilla uh, 2016 vinyl figure. Someone also purchased the Star Wars Galactic Heroes Heroes Imperial at at Fortress, which is like a uh, yeah, uh, Star Wars toys for like your kids that are like four and under. They're real fun. Ace used to have a bunch of the Marvel and DC ones. He kind of got out of them by the time they start doing the Star Wars ones, but they're really cool if you got little little kids. Uh, somebody also purchased. Uh, or pre-order, rather, the new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe for the Nintendo Switch. Somebody also purchased the entire complete collection of the USA Network television show Psych. Somebody <laughs> also purchased a ultrasonic cool mist humidifier. And Ooh. I understand they did this instead of getting rid of their dehumidifier, so I do thank them for doing that. I would have just got rid of the dehumidifier. It's just kind of even things out in the house. Um, somebody also purchased the Morrison's English Guide for Court Reporters. <laughs> please. Grant Morrison's? No. Uh, please tweet at me if that was you. I, I need a, a court reporter on my side. <laughs> and uh, two things that I don't know what they are. Uh, somebody purchased Dig Yourself by Queen of Jeans, which is a musical album. And somebody also purchased the book Kunk on Everything by Philomena Kunk. Now, I'm not saying a swear or a slur in either one of those things. I just don't know what either one of them are. Uh, isn't, like, kunk a dance? 
No, she appears to be uh, no, wait, some crunchy. sort of English comedian mm-hmm. who does like a, uh, I don't want to say like a Borat type thing. Oh. Mm-hmm. See, I was thinking of crunking. That was a dance. Right. But uh, I'm, I'm out of touch with these sort of things. I'm the hip young kid on the show. Right. So. That's why I asked you. I'll get back to you. I'll do some, some kunk research. Right. So, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Nope. We were fresh on art attacks this week. What? Hopefully we'll get some. The mail was closed. So. Oh, my goodness. Well, next week, Todd, I promise you I'll have an art attack for you. Oh, I might have one, too. I hear some rumors that there might be a artist in the, in the shop later today doing some stuff for me. Oh, really? Yep. Is it the same one who's looking forward to the Frank Miller uh, Catwoman run? Uh, no, it's a different one. Different this one. is this is an actually big name artist. <laughs> I told you about this guy. I'm glad I'm glad this artist doesn't listen to the show then. Oh, he, but he he might soon. Okay. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Now you're mopping now, what I'm spilling. Now I'm picking up what you're saying. Yes, yes. I forget that celebrities come to our store, mm-hmm. other than world famous bassists that work there. <laughs> oh, and Wiccafe's Eternal. <laughs> Have we talked about that? No. On the show. Can we talk about that on the show? I don't know. Because okay. I know, you know, there's a lot of kayfabe with that. Okay. Are you aware, are you the listener aware of Wiccafase? Is that what it's called? Wiccafase, yeah. Right. Are you aware of that listener? If you are, contact us. Mm-hmm. Because apparently it's a thing. That's a big thing. It's a, Apparently it's a big thing. And again, you know, just goes to show you how out of it that Todd and I are. Well, the only reason I know is because I know. Right. Anyway, uh, go to a convention. You do your own artwork. You purchase something. You haven't contributed to the Art Attack in a long time. Don't forget to tag Todd's Art Attack all together as one word. Tweet at us. We'll share it with the rest of the world. We'll talk about the cool stuff that you have in your collection on the show. Mm-hmm. So if that's everything for the main part of the show. It is, I believe. All right. Let's get into some TV talk. Uh, talking about last week's episode of The Flash and the most recent episodes of both Doctor Who and Legends of Tomorrow. If you don't want those things spoiled for you or you don't care about those things, thank you very much for listening to episode 427 of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or Longbox Heroes. We'll see you next week. <laughs> it's not After Dark. That's another show. No, it's not. That's another show. All right. Todd, I'm going to throw it to you. Where would you like to begin? Let's start with The Flash from last week. Okay. So the Flash, uh, we get some flashbacks of the origins of Cicada, mm-hmm. as we also get the Weather Witch, who is attempting to break her father, the Weather Wizard, out of prison, and uh, also uh, Sherlock Wells thinks Thanksgiving is stupid and convinces the rest of parts of the rest of the crew uh, of his thinking as well. Mm-hmm. And was it me, uh, or was, like, there no... Like, usually when someone's not on an episode, they'll give a little bit of an explanation, but uh, uh, Ralph wasn't in this episode. I don't know what happened. I was, like, too, like... I was, like, they didn't even, like, announce that he's not at Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, like, usually they'll be like, oh, Joe's taking a nap. Remember when he said this thing? Now let's move on, but we mentioned him. We mentioned why he's not here. Let's keep going. Like, mm-hmm. it was just like, yeah, Ralph's not here, and we're just, he's not in the show anymore. He's not in this episode, and we're not going to mention him. There must have been a Joe scene, and because they wrote Joe out 
they forgot to write an out for uh for elongated man i don't know i was kind of too by the end because as it was going on i was like there's no no you know elongated man okay okay there's no no ralph no ralph and then like closing credits and i'm like they didn't mention it at all i was like i, I don't know and i'll just say this there's a part later in the show where they're like all right weather witch we're going to deliver your dad to you and then mm-hmm. it turns out that the reason that she wanted him was so that she could kill him because he was a bad dad, and she dropped right. the car on him. And I'm like, oh, that's how they did it. Ralph was uh, using his stretchy powers to make himself look. N- no, it's Iris back at the Star Labs using a virtual reality thing that they've never used before. Which I'm wondering, <laughs> I think you're right on that one, that it was supposed to be him. Right. And Because I actually gasped aloud when they dropped the car on him. Right, because I'm like, oh, it's Ralph. He's like, he's like, he shapeshifted himself. He's a rubber man. The car didn't hurt him. Everything's no, it's uh, some sort of VR gimmick. It's Iris for no reason. <laughs> There's a lot <laughs> of stuff on the show that's Iris for no reason. Right, but uh, now I just want to say, even fully knowing that that it was the American Pie actor. I thought he did a good job, and I did like the backstory, the completely different backstory on Cicada, because obviously excess has come back and changed time, or it would have been the, the Cicada we all know and love from the comics. Um, so I was like, okay, and you know, he's not, you know, falling with the girl. It, it's at least an interesting backstory. I have no problem with it. I think he's doing a wonderful job until he figures out he can control the shard of the satellite and it comes through the room and he's like at at this moment i've decided to become evil and the way you know i've become evil is because i'm moving my head up and down to look evil and i'm flexing my eyebrows and i was like this was like the possible like worst face acting to like do that whole like i'm intense but evil up to that point, he had me, then he blew it in the last scene. Uh, I agree. Um, they, His reason for becoming evil was dumb. Right. And they built this whole thing up to make him a sympathetic villain, and then they just made him a stupid villain. Right, but I do think that he, even though he's killing people, he is not the... I think there's something with the doctor, the female doctor who's taking care of his niece, that she got power somehow from all of this too. Cause she hates, uh, metas just as much. And I have a feeling we're going to get a curveball that somehow she's involved with making him angrier. And you know what I mean? You think she's manipulating him in some yes, way? In some power like way where she's got him all revved up. Um, to to go do it because she seems she's helping him and she seems just like a side character but I think she's the real deal behind all of it but I'm probably wrong I like that theory mm-hmm. you like all my theories uh, I don't know some of your theories uh... what MacGyver and Doctor Who are the same thing but anyway let's go move on well, I know Dragnet and MacGyver are the same thing but that's for another show <laughs> that is true but I like the episode. With all of its flaws, this, um, the human stuff, like the, the interpersonal relationship stuff with the gang, right. I think was some of the strongest it's been in a couple episodes. And again, having a Thanksgiving episode two weeks after Thanksgiving mm-hmm. did make it feel a little bit weird, but I did like the episode. 
Right. Now we need his Christmas episodes two, four weeks before Christmas. Right. I think in the Elseworlds, Christmas happens on a different day because of the solstice. That, that is the – yes, I do believe. I'll right. let you pick where you want to go next. All right. So next we're going to talk about Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. Okay. So this is mostly a Constantine episode. Mm-hmm. Where we learn a little bit about Constantine's at least now I have to ask you d- did you watch all of the Constantine show that was on NBC? Yes, I did all whatever episodes. Okay, so it was this, twelve or thirteen. This relationship that Constantine has in the show is this from that series? No, not at all. Though he was based in New Orleans for a bit. Okay. You know what I mean? In that show, there was some some New Orleans stuff. Um, so I guess this could fit in anywhere. You know what I mean? In that show. Okay. So uh, he, uh, I say he, Constantine ends up having a relationship with this guy Dez that he meets in New Orleans, and this sets about a chain reaction of horrible events, essentially leading to Neron. And again, them mentioning Neron, the DC Universe version of the devil, uh, possessing and taking over Dez, and Constantine trying to fix that time loop to poor mm-hmm. results. Right. Cut Mark Wade a check for Neron. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm all right with that. Mark Wade needs a couple bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get like a little bit of a side story with uh, Rory and Ava not getting along, and... Uh, another side story with Mona having a crush, and we think it's on Gary, but it's really the Wolfman guy. Super creepy Gary. Right, super creepy Gary in this episode. They really turned up the creep factor this week. <laughs> and then there's a whole other sub-subplot with a killer doll uh, who, it's like them, them essentially ripping off Child's Play and them acknowledging in the show that they're ripping off Child's Play. Mike the Spike. Mike the Spike. Um, and... Oh, and Adam there's a cliffhanger a- because uh, yes. Constantine breaks everything, and there's like a big like uh, people get switched around, and other people get frozen. Right, and uh, Adam gets a mustache. Right, the Adam gets a mustache that he half shaves off at the end of the show. Oh. Now I will say this: uh, we were talking on After Dark about looking at what we have coming up and the way we have to kind of move things around and do our TV talks for future episodes. But the still shot that they had for this week's uh, Legends of Tomorrow that was up when the episode aired, it looked like the the photo that they were using looked like the fakest mustache I've ever seen in my entire life. But he did a – the mustache actually looked good in practice on the show, but it looked bad in the picture, the still picture. <laughs> right. And this, to me, seems like a huge in-joke. Because right. Brandon Routh had previously played Superman, mm-hmm. and then there was a whole rib with the Batman versus or the Justice League movie where they had to Photoshop out <laughs> yep. Henry Cavill's mustache. So they're like, let's do a rib where <laughs> our guy who used to play Superman has a mustache, and then we'll have a good laugh, you know, about the movie that made hundreds of millions of dollars where we're scraping together two nickels so that we could get a halfway <laughs> decent looking wig. <laughs> Jokes right. on them. <laughs> But I love about it is because uh, there's also a thing going on where Mick and Ava are fighting, and they're and he comes walking in with his new mustache, and he actually says, and I quote, "I must ash you from fighting." <laughs> I was like, "I must ash you to keep from fighting," and I'm like, 
mustache puns fantastic like between the mustache that he had and the punch i'm like they are just like we said every week they just keep piling on to what it's it's just for us they're narrowing down things on the show just for us but i really enjoyed the episode i like the fact that we found out that it was naron which i kind of i was like yeah i was like i can't believe they mentioned naron right when they Um, said it once i'm like did they just say Neron? And then they said <laughs> yeah. it a bunch of times. And I'm mm-hmm. like, ooh, they said it a bunch of times. So it must be Neron. Right. Well, it must be like, it's not going to be a one-off. Like, this is what our, like, the back half of the season is going to be, you know? Well, they're talking about he's trying to take over hell. So, uh, you know, and obviously they're going to use Gary's nipple somehow to get to hell. I'm telling you, before it's all over. Um, But and the thing that I love the most about it was, it was you keep thinking that, that John had guilt because his lover died trying, you know, with Neron trying to revenge, to get revenge on John. And it turns out, and like you said, in the show that's goofy and there's all this stuff going on, that it turns out that John uh, actually in a had to send him to hell because he had merged with Neron to, in a deal. And he's like, yeah, and to buy Earth a few more days, I sent my lover to, to hell. And I'm like... I was actually like, that was a twist I didn't see coming in the episode, but it was so Hellblazer in ways that I, that I can't even say. So I, I really like that. And then the doll that was running around, the name of the, uh, what was the name of the episode? Oh, yeah. hell, yeah, hell, oh no. hell no dolly. Right. I was mad last week when Salvador Dolly was on and nobody said hello dolly. But they, they 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 fixed that with this. And the doll was so cheesy in the beginning and then just oh Mick my just, God. just burns the heck out of it. Just incinerates it. Then it leaves the spirit of Mike the Spike, leaves the doll, and goes and finds another host. And for some reason, there's no explanation yet. And I don't remember there being one. It's in a Dr. Stein puppet. Right. And I don't remember there being a reason for that existing either unless, like, I hit my head too hard and forgot that that existed. I don't think there is, but I did see a promotion, a, prom- uh, a promo for next week's, and I think there's more to this doll thing. So I think they're going to explain it next week. But as soon as as soon as they were like, "Oh, it's it, it's going to try and find another host," and when Ava said, "Is there another doll on this ship?" I was like. Please, and I got goosebumps right now, Joe, because I'm dream booking my my thing right now. I was like, if Mike the Spike possesses a Bebo doll, oh my god, we need that. I and, can, I can only assume that Bebo is going to somehow come into it. And you know what? I hope next week they don't explain why there's a Doctor Stein doll. There's just a Doctor Stein doll. In the box. Just accept it. Move on. Right, but I laughed. I'm like, oh, please. and it wasn't a Bebo. And I thought that was a grave injustice on this show. Because how would great would it be to see Bebo trying to murder the crew of the, the Wave Rider? With the evil Mike the Spike voice. Oh, my God. Because they couldn't get the guy who actually played Chucky. I don't know. But, but it was a good I episode. Enjoyed. It was fun. It was fun. They just don't care anymore. I'll tell you that. In a good way. I am in one way sad that it's not part of the Elseworlds thing. But then in another way, I'm kind of glad that they're doing their own thing, that they don't have to be tied down by the serious shows. Exactly. And interrupt this brilliant whatever they're doing. This arc. And next week is the season, the mid-season finale, so. 
Oh, that's interesting that they would like, like you would assume the way that things were set up that this would have been the midseason finale, you know? Right. No, next week is the midseason finale. And then I think pretty much most of the, I think Elseworlds might end up being the midseason finale for the other shows. Hmm. That's another conversation for another day. Right. I think because we have a whole nother flash episode to go and wibbly wobbly timey wimey, which is a beautiful segue, unlike the Daredevil one into Doctor Who. Right, so Doctor Who this week was, they go to Norwegia, mm-hmm. into a fjord. Fjord. Not an inlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they come upon this house, and they it appears to be abandoned, but there's actually a, a young girl in there who is blind. She is talking about her father, who has gone missing. Uh, they're talking about monsters. Uh, she is, so they decide to investigate. The doctor notices that there's this funky mirror that appears to be a portal. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads us into what this episode is about without giving away too, too much. And we'll get into the discussion, of course, of what's going on with this. But I really thought this was a very interesting idea for the show. Mm-hmm. But I felt as though, you know, we, we joked before about saying like, oh, I could take that that two-page dark side Santa Claus thing and make it into a 22-minute whatever. I could take the... You know, in my head, I could take the Lobo paramilitary Christmas special and turn that into a 90-minute movie. I felt as though this was a a plot, a story that could have used more time. You thought it was too short? It was crunched in too much? I felt as though once it got to the third act, everything just kind of wrapped up a little bit more nicely. Right. They could have given more things to breathe, more room to grow some of the relationships to become a little bit more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I like the episode. I like that, you know, uh, the, I liked the, you find out that there's a gap. Basically what the, the, the show was about was that there was an, I'm going to call it the antimatter universe because that's the quickest way to describe what it is. There was this, this, uh, different place that can't interact with ours or everything goes kablooey and there's a, a zone in the middle and they find a way through and they end up meeting I, an interesting character who was new, who was ribbon of the seven stomachs, who was an interesting character who was like a, like a Larflees kind of knockoff. But it can't like uh, a very hungry Larflees. Um, so I like that, and I like the whole idea of this other universe giving you whatever you want because it was so lonely. And I thought the best parts of this, like were the, the like the Flash episode at Thanksgiving, where the human aspects, where Graham gets to meet his uh, departed wife again, and they're like, it's not real. And in that whole universe, all I could be thinking of was the. Uh, the what do you give to the man who has everything the the black mercy story in superman it was like i'll give you whatever you want and it'll be torture giving it up to to save yourself and that's the the way i looked at this episode was an homage to that that superman story in a weird weird way right that's a great uh, like i didn't even think of that at the time but that's a perfect analogy to make for it mm-hmm. where you know obviously different people who have different connections to what they're seeing uh, when they find out that it's not real. Mm-hmm. have a much different reaction, of course. The father, specifically. And uh, and again, I forget his name, but he's one of the three companions who had lost right. his wife. Graham. Graham. Right. Okay, so 
he takes it very hard, but this is one of those things where he takes it very hard, and then obviously they use that to build further his relationship with Ryan. Right, because he ends up finally giving him Gramps, which is a great. I thought was a great scene. Right, I thought that was a great scene, but I felt as though it came too quick. It was rushed in the episode. Right, because like I said, first two acts were great, perfect pacing. That third act, though, moved too quickly, I think. But again, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and again, right. we're getting into the other stuff where the, the father uh, with the backwards Slayer shirt on, he has his wife there. Because he was in the mirror. Right, because he was in the mirror. And I get why, of course, they got to hammer that home by having like such a blatantly like shown word on his shirt, you know, so that you could see when he's in the mirror and not in the mirror and everything. And the way the doctor kind of tricks whatever that alien life form is. But honestly, Joe, mm-hmm. see, that's the one thing I wanted to see what you thought of. You think she tricked him? No, no, no. She didn't. Uh, the doctor did not trick the father. The alien. The tricked. doctor didn't trick the alien. Okay. But I'm the sorry. doctor. And again, tricked is a bad word. The doctor had to do this to mm-hmm. say what she did to convince the father that it wasn't really the wife. Fair enough. What I thought you meant was, okay, so that worked, and then she had to tell Graham what she needed, and then Graham wouldn't listen, but the the the, the woman portraying his wife, a, a dead wife, said, you know, Ryan will be okay. And he's like, you would have never said that. You would have said, do everything you can to help Ryan. So that all worked out. What I thought you were saying was that the doctor said, I'm your friend to the frog. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in my heart of hearts, the thing that I love about this show is the doctor meant every word of what she was telling right. the being was, I'm your friend, but even though I'm your friend, I can't stay here because we'll be destroyed. We'll be separated. But she goes, I will think of you. I made a friend. You're my friend. And I thought maybe, you know, you not watching the show as much as I have. The doctor would never lie like that to somebody. Uh, With as little exposure that I have to this doctor. Mm hmm. They have done a very good job in a very short amount of time of getting over how genuine and sincere she is. Right. Okay, good. I was worried that you thought she tricked the being. Okay. No, no, no. And again, like I said, when I said tricked, it was just a way of like, this was the way that she had to use this to convince the father that he's being Mm -hmm. lied to. Right. But she didn't do it to be like, ha, I did this. Now we win. I knew there was genuine whatever. Right, and she generally disliked doing what she had to do to Yes. Um, and the other thing that I did like was the way Ryan saw the little girl who was blind and her relationship with the father. Mm-hmm. And he's like, she's like, my father was taken away. And he's like, how do you know he just didn't abandon you? And they're all like, Ryan. And you're like, no, Ryan, that's the way Ryan sees a father. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it worked. Like, everybody thought it was harsh, and, and I get in the show, and I'm like, I really love that. That like Ryan's like, why wouldn't a father abandon a child? I, I saw it happen to me personally. Like I think there's a lot of human stuff, and this is probably the most human season of Doctor Who like ever, where there's not a lot of, I don't know how to put it, like like the science stuff. Like that seems to be the back. Like you're seeing a, you're seeing a season of Doctor Who that a lot of people who don't like are for the reason. That all the things that are very Doctor Who Who esque are pushed to the back, and the human stuff is pushed to the forefront way, way more. If that makes any sense, it does. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I've been enjoying it. 
I think probably yes. I think this is the best season for you. And except for a few, all joking aside, I really do think you would like a lot of the tenant stuff because uh, tenant as an actor, you've said you've seen him in a couple of things and you've loved a lot of what he's done. He, that act, that acting power carries a lot of weight through some truly great episodes with him. But otherwise I think this is, is really good for like a first time viewer. I'd be hard pressed to disagree with that. I'm glad you're enjoying only one more episode to go. And then the new year's Eve episode or new year's day episode or whatever. So you'll get one more episode, then a reprieve and then, you know, another dose. And then you're going to be Jones in for a while till the new stuff. Oh, I'm sure I'll find something else to replace it with. I might actually have uh, time to watch Daredevil for once, but who knows? I, I heard that got canceled. Oh, well, I'll never be able to watch it since it got canceled. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, so, boy. So is that I, everything? I think that's everything. We talked a lot about TV and lots of other stuff. show went way right. longer than I thought it would be, but I'll still have enough time to get it out in time and without getting nasty tweets or anything. Oh, those people who send you nasty tweets are the worst. I agree. All right, everybody. So thanks for listening to episode 427 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You gotta turn it around. You gotta talk to the other side. Now this way. Like this. We're really messing around It's week 14. We got nine right last week. I wish we did a video component so people could see how nice your hair looks these days. Are you ready? Okay. Now yes? Yes. Teen Titans. Teen, teen Titans? <laughs> that was a good one, though. This one. Panthers. Panthers. Very good. Chiefs. Chiefs. Texans. Texicans. Dolphins. Giants. Buccaneers. Packers. Bills. Uh, Bengals. 49ers, 49ers, Eagles, Steelers, Cardinals, Rams, Vikings. Now, before you go running, do you know someone who likes the Dolphins, that you pick the Dolphins all the time? No. I think you've picked the Dolphins every week. For I think so. Who likes the Dolphins? I don't know. I'm asking you, because I know you pick, like, the Eagles and the Giants, because you know people nobody, who like them. Nobody likes the Dolphins. Nobody likes the I Dolphins? I wanted you to say that because my friend Josh actually likes the Dolphins, and I think he listens to the podcast, so when he hears that nobody likes the Dolphins, he's going to cry. All right, thanks. Nobody I know. Oh, okay. Thanks for listening.